Good evening and welcome to News Night. In the next 60 minutes, NAT pushes for a law to compel public officers to enroll their children in public schools in the wake of struggles of rural pupils in joining new schools of shame series. Because elsewhere, if you go to Finland, if you're a public sector worker, your child will be in public school. So that is the way forward to go. And we will take it up and make sure that our parliamentarians do the, do the needful and making sure that at least... We'll bring you an insight into countries that are already implementing this policy and its impact. Meanwhile, government insists it's on course to delivering world-class education to all Ghanaians. We create an education system that is relevant to the needs of our country. We should allow the youth, children at a certain age be able to change their minds. Also this evening. I think it's time National Council brought out a schedule. We are dancing around when we don't have time. Otherwise, they will lose control. Otherwise, they will lose moral authority to manage this process. We've exhausted the space for restraint. People have had enough. This is the time for people to start and move. Early Congress or late Congress, the decision confronting governing NPP as its key organs deliberate for close to five hours. Day in and day out, it shows a decay in internal management of our party. Are we managing our internal elections with astuteness? We are live at the Alisa Hotel where the president and his vice are all involved in the making of this crucial decision. Also, National Identification Authority dismisses allegations it fraudulently issued a Ghana card to secretary to the board of trustees of the National Cathedral Secretariat, Reverend Victor Kusibuating. I have details. And in business, Ghana gets over $1 billion after investing earning from crude oil exports since April 2011. And in sports, Black Stars captain Andrea Yu is set to make a return to the English Premier League after parting ways with the Qatari side, Al-Sad. And much later, we have an update on the Krobiasanti Vocational Technical School violence as the suspects pick up so far increases to 43 and all of them admitted to bail. Plastic Thursday, all that and more here tonight on Newsnight. Do you want to join us with your thoughts and comments? Is via WhatsApp 055-1111-997. I am MFA Apau. And my name is Evan Spencer. For more than four hours, the key organs of the governing new patriotic party have been locked up in a closed-door meeting to deliberate on a key matter that has far-reaching consequences for the party's electoral fortunes. A decision to hold early primaries or delay same is weighing on the party's leadership as they seek to avoid uh, the same mistakes that led to a major decline in the presidential votes and its seats in parliament. The president, the vice president, members of parliament, national executives and other key stakeholders of the party are all locked up uh, in a meeting at Elisa right now to make this make or break decision. I want to bring in uh, a member of the political desk, parliamentary correspondent, Kweku Asante, who has been there for us uh, since it started. Kweku, are we closer to a decision? So since this meeting started around 2 p.m. Evans, they only came out about 10 minutes to have a break, and then they went back inside. Our understanding is that there is no consensus around announcing a new date to elect the party's flag bearer and also to elect the party's um, 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 MPs for the 2024 election. Our understanding is that there are school to, two schools of thought that is actually dividing this meeting now. There are those who say 
the party must elect the flag bearer and MPs early enough for them to be able to campaign ahead of 2024. And there are those who are in this meeting who say that any election to elect the flag bearer will limit the power of the sitting president because all powers will now be shifting and the eyes and the views will be shifting towards the flag bearer. So understanding from someone who is a key person in this meeting is that the party will not be able to agree on announcing a new date and a roadmap for this election. But what we are going to do is that the party is going to further consult. You recall that letter that Justin Pimpongo had signed early this week, which said that the party needed to consult broadly to be able to agree on this matter. So as we, as we speak, the meeting is still ongoing. It started around 2 p.m. For the last five hours, it's still been ongoing. Our understanding is that this meeting is not going to end in any announcement of any new date or roadmap to elect the flag bearer and MPO. Well, but I'm sure um, since they came on that break, Kweku, you've been trying to get any of your officials around on record. Were you successful? So no one wants to get on record except those that I know in Parliament who come to me and try to provide me some information. What they say is that the first meeting, the National Executive Committee meeting, which was also attended by the President, the Vice President, members of Parliament, and other crucial stakeholders, deliberated on this matter for some time. We know that there's been pressure from Kumasi, for instance, Alan Chermatin and his campaign are calling on the party to announce a roadmap early enough because they will not be able to stop presidential hopefuls from campaigning and doing things that will probably lead the party in more rancor. But the meeting, as we understand from our sources, although people do not want to go on record, is that there's a, there's a, there's a certain line and the division is so deep that the party has now decided and they will be announcing that soon to broaden consultation to speak to as many people within the party as possible to reach a compromise decision that will not leave the, the both sides of this divide, I mean, fighting each other. Well, in a PS, Kweku, is going to be a long night. Um, do we have any end in sight from what you've been told? Not at all. So just about five minutes ago, I saw the, the restaurant delivering some food items to the specific place that the meeting is being held here at Alita Hotel. Coffee and other things I've seen on the menu. So it appears that those who are in the meeting are preparing themselves for a long haul. It is not clear yet if those in the meeting are trying to reach some compromise position before they leave. Although there are those, there are some within the meeting who are taking a hardline stance that the party should not announce any new decision now. But seeing coffee and other food items being sent to this meeting, that as the president, the vice president, clearly tells you a story that those who are preparing to go for a long haul. Well, prepare for the delivery of your package as well, quick question, to whilst we wait uh, for the outcome of that meeting. But spokesperson for the Alan Shemantin campaign team, Yao Bwabiye Samoa, has been speaking about this. And for him, it's about time the committees came out with a schedule. He says beyond today, they will lose any moral authority to stop anyone from campaigning. I think it's time National Council brought out a schedule. <laughs> we are dancing around when we don't have time. I think it's time. Otherwise, they will lose control. Otherwise, they will lose moral authority to manage this process. It is a process that must happen. So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? We all believe in the rules. We all believe that it must be a managed process. That's why we all subscribe and we have been all careful. We've been careful for a long time. I was part of the executive which developed the initial rules and regulations, if you recall, which were published before 
the Congress of 21, because even then, people had started and were going on. So, in my view, we've exhausted the space for restraint. People have had enough. This is the time for people to start and move. So, let council bring out the timetable. Let council manage the rules. Let us all know where we are, because it is inevitable that we are going to compete. So, as far as I'm concerned, the timetable must come out today, not later than today. And beyond today, one the council will not have any moral authority to stop anybody from campaigning. Okay. Well, flag bearer hopeful Francis Adainimo is proposing a change in the special college election process to ensure a free, fair, transparent flag bearer contest. The objective is that you are going to shortlist. So I am proposing that each delegate should be given the freedom to select five persons of his choice, not one. Because you are not looking for a winner or predicting the winner. You are rather reducing the number from, let's say, 10, 11, 15 to 5. You may have your preference for certain people. Given the freedom, you will choose the five number of people. But if you are asked to choose only one person, you find the difficulty that you'll be in. Somebody you may know, another person you may have relationship with, then you are, you don't know what to do. And that is what I am calling for that delegates to the special college election should be allowed to vote for five persons of their choice instead of one person as was done in 2014. Well, as you know, um, if I, uh, they, some of the aspirants, well, not aspirant, some of the hopefuls uh, are already campaigning very vigorously. They, they, they are not waiting for an announcement uh, of what the timelines will be. One of them, Adaini Mo, but another one is Alan Chamanting, who resigned recently as trade uh, minister. Uh, Max Ologba uh, is uh, is with him and joins us on the telephone line right now. Max, uh, we just listened to his spokesperson, Alan, talking about the, 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 the party will lose more authority to tell anybody not to campaign. They are already campaigning, are they not? Very vigorously. Uh- Evans, um, the spokesperson for Alan Chamantin's campaign has been, you know, very careful about his choice of words. Although uh, they are meeting the clergy, they are meeting party executives, they are meeting regional constituency, um, polling station executives. I mean, all the people who matter um, in this um, NTP presidential primaries, although they are meeting them, having conversations with them. When you speak to the spokespersons of, of, of the Alan Chavantin campaign team, they try to water down what is happening and tell you that it is not a campaign. They tell me um, that the campaign itself has not even started. So th- that, is, uh, that is the feedback that we are getting from them. So if the campaign hasn't started, wh- what are they calling this? Well, they call it engagement, uh, meeting um, uh, party faithfuls, um, sharing their dreams and officially telling them that um, Alan Chamantin has resigned, uh, officially informed that Alan Chamantin has resigned his position as trade and industry minister, and now he wants to um, go in for the flag bearership of the NTP. So anytime the issue comes up, I mentioned it to the spokesperson, he says, no, we are not campaigning. And I remember um, when we went to um, Kumasi at the Heroes Park, he was very careful not to call it um, a rally. Although some media persons tried to call it a rally. He watered that down and said that it's not a rally. It's just a conversation with party supporters. Uh, um, so, in, in, so these engagements, they've been engaging a lot of people. Who? Exactly. So um, today, um, he started a tour of the um, Bono region. And his first port of call 
um, was the Sunyani Traditional Council, where he met some traditional leaders. Um, he met um, the traditional leaders, and then the Kwemuhini of the Sunyani Traditional Council, something interesting happened there. He publicly um, endorsed Alan Tremontin, told him that he is the first amongst equals, and that this is his time. He made reference to uh, when um, President Kufo was campaigning. He said when he was campaigning, he came there with his brother. And that Alan Chemantin also came to the traditional council with his brother. So um, he said it in tea. So a fact. And um, some supporters who were around, many of them uh, were shouting, screaming, and then cheering there. Right now, though, um, he's meeting the clergy at an Anglican cathedral here at Tunani. That conversation started about an hour ago. You thought it's likely going to go, going to go deep, you know, um, into uh, into the night. Another thing that has been happening: um, his communication people have been responding to a poll that projected that the Vice President Dr. Mahmoud Baumia will win the uh, uh, um, the the NPP presidential primaries. In fact, Yabwabina uh, Samoa and then Katrin Afiku did not mean words. Uh, they said that the polls uh, the poll is bogus and fake, intended um, to put a leash on the rising popularity of the NPP flag bearer, um, hopeful. They say that um, his other opponents saw what happened during his visit to the Ashanti region. And that poll that was projecting the vice president was just to water down Alan Chemantin's campaign. So Yaobwabina Samoa specifically uh, said the vice president should come out and dissociate himself you know, from that poll. Uh, so that's uh, 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 the Maxwell Ababa uh, there talking about uh, the Alan German thing on the on the thought. But but keeping them honest, both sides have had polls uh, predicting that uh, each side will win. There was a poll that predicted that uh, Alan German thing was in the lead, uh, and then there was a poll uh, that was uh, backed by a UK-based agency that also had polled uh, delegates and had concluded that uh, Dr. Baumia is in the lead mm -hmm. uh, so when you hear once i say well that poll is is, is, is bogus, bogus the question then becomes what about the poll, the poll that, puts that, you in the that, lead. that puts you in the lead i mean uh, just let's keep them honest uh, very quickly uh late uh, Congress or early Congress is what's dividing the party right now. Winkston, uh, with the political death strikes us, why this is such a divisive matter. Winkston, why, why has it become so divisive? Well, I mean, look, you've seen um, the Alan Tremantin team doing what they call engagement, but really, Evans, uh, once they go around, they meet the party. So if you are the uh, NPP party, what you want, for instance, is that, look, let's get this thing done because you can't stop anybody from campaigning at this moment. We saw it in 2007 when Kufu at a point in time said, look, if you want to be president, just resign and go and concentrate on that. Because you had a lot of ministers, you know, going around the country and not focusing on what they had to do. Then there's the other issue also of the fact that, look, if the NPP elects a flag bearer now, automatically the party's attention will move to that flag bearer. So if you are the president of the republic, you're thinking about it and say, look, we have a mandate. The mandate is to, first of all, deliver on the promises we make so the next election becomes easy. 
if we mess that mandate by electing a flag bearer early and you seem to have you know two de facto leaders of the party it's going to create a problem for you and that's why you can see the npp uh, you know being divided at this point do we do it early do we do it late uh, i mean i'm told that some persons very uh, loyal to the president will want it late the constitution says uh, not later than 11 months when the party is in power and so they say, why don't you wait for the 11 months? Others will say, well, not later than it means we can do it early. Let's get it done and then move on. And for me, that's really the issue at this moment. Uh, Winston, thank you very much. So listening to Newsnight is on Joy 99.7 FM. And what, what do you make about uh, seeing the Minister of Education son in a public cycle like you MFR. Oh, you didn't go to cycle? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't. Okay. So, okay. I see. Tell us a story about Nat and their campaign. Of course, we turn our attention to education now. And uh, for them, that's the Ghana National Association of Teachers. They are pushing for a law to compel public officers to enroll their children in public schools. The education minister, Dr. Yawase Yeduchum, has come under heavy criticism over struggles of rural poor pupils as part of our Schools of Shame series. Education policy analysts have since questioned government's commitment to the sector, which is considered crucial to nation building. Speaking on PM Express, President of NAT, Dr. Reverend Isaac Owusu, made a case and he says this move will improve quality of education at the basic schools. Uh, this challenge can be resolved by making sure that the distribution that the GES and the Ministry of Education does, <coughs> they cater for the basic school first. When it comes to secondary school, why is it that we don't we don't rush our children in private secondary school? But rather, all of us are interested in sending our children in public secondary school. It means that because we feel that that place, the children there are over 18 years, and because the, those are, are duty bearers, their children are there. The minister's son is in front of him. The judges, uh, the, 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 the magistrates, the, 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 the journalists, all their children are in the school. So when there is no furniture, they will come together and procure furniture for the children. But when it comes to the public school, the director of education child is not in the school. The DC child is not in the school. The police inspector in the district, his or her child is not in the school. It is these uh, poor farmers who can afford maybe five CDs a month or a week. Their children in the school. But these are the people who are feeding the nation. Will, will not advocate a policy that compels the policymakers, the duty bearers, to compulsorily, if they have children in school-going age, send them to the, the public schools? I think that, that is the way forward. Because elsewhere, if you go to Finland, if you're a public sector worker, your child will be in public school. So that is the way forward to go. And then we'll, we'll take it up. And make sure that our parliamentarians... Do the, do the needful and making sure that at least if you are a minister, a director, <laughs> and, and you don't have your word in the public school, when, when, can you imagine a director's son a, a line on the floor writing? No, I can't. You cannot imagine. <laughs> imagine that a director, a director of education, the son of the, grand, the grandson is not on the floor. So they find themselves in a very long district. And they, they have a dispute. So the, the, the director, the assembly member there, would they send their children to go and lie on the floor? 
So that's uh, the president of NAT, um, Reverend Isaac Ho. So interesting, uh, you know, position there. But let's bring in the head of our features desk, Jojo Kobna, produced the Schools of Shame series. He joins us in studio. So you've been taking a look at this particular uh, proposal that um, the president of NAT is putting forward. Uh, you've been trying to find out which countries are implementing this policy. What did you find? Well, so far we have Finland actually doing that. And in 1968, they had an education reform. And what was exciting is that, I mean, after the Second World War, I mean, they were dilly-dallying. They, they realized that there was a huge, I mean, disparity in terms of education. And so the politicians started talking, the country started talking. And way back in 1968, they came up with an Education Reform Act. And then in 1970, they started implementing it. Mm. And so by so doing, they what they did was made sure that every child in Finland will have the same education system, the same public education system. You, you'd have to go there. But um, subsequently, they still had some private schools uh, totally. They have 416 public schools and only 95. And what is interesting, that like, even public schools, public school, uh, private schools, they don't charge school fees okay. like for profit. So you just have to break even. It's just to pay your staff. And, and then even if you have people going to the private schools who are, I mean, from other communities, it's the government. They even get funding from government. And so they wanted to make sure that education is equal to all no matter who you are whether your mother is rich your father is poor whoever you get you get quality education so that is what finland did mm. i mean way back started implementing that in 1968 so what if you're a minister there your child will go to, oh, public, child school. Will go to public school it's compulsory yeah yeah you have and to. rwanda is trying it and where are they with it oh they, i mean they are trying to improve their um public schools they've okay. not they've not started started yet but we still have some i mean uh, leaders who have their children in public schools, but it's not a directive in Rwanda. Okay, but we're getting some results on uh, the schools of shame regarding the provision of furniture, for instance, for Bandai. Yes, yes, yes. Yesterday, um, the minister promised that uh, school desks will be sent to uh, the children of Bandai. And today, indeed, we went to the place where they were offloading the furniture. And I mean, we have a, a list of 85 schools that will be um, receiving the desk. And then they said, maybe latest by either tomorrow because of the journey, by tomorrow. The, the, the children should have um, furniture. Okay. So hopefully by Monday, the children in Pandai who will sit on the floor, I mean in 85 schools, will be sitting on a very good furniture. And, and the furniture looks really good. Now, today we are going to load two articulators. So one day go, another took a con- uh, we are going to load another container tomorrow. Um, actually, I don't know how many pieces that uh, articulator will take it. So today we will know exactly quantity that each articulator can carry to that place. Uh, my estimated is 500. That is my estimated. Um, from Accra to there. No, we are going to supply all to Pandai district office so that my cars will go there and distribute it to the all the 81 schools because articulator cannot do that work. So they will send all to the district office and my cars will go and take it and supply to the various schools. Yeah, they said uh, some people do some stories in some schools that they don't have some chairs and uh, so they are hot, so they need it as soon as possible. Um, they said for now, they will buy more, but now they want 5,000. I, I like the point he made, I mean, that, that some people, they told him that some people did some stories and so the people are hot, so they just gave him the contract to, to, to sort of construct the furniture. Yeah, and, and that's furniture. Uh, Benjamin Amwa. Um, he is the CEO of Benji Furniture. You make, I mean, people, you make people hot. Oh, we, we didn't intend making poho. We wanted to make sure that they work, and we're happy that they're working. Well, the minister, the minister was clear that, uh, yeah, you did a story, and he's a fixer. Mm-hmm. So but just curious, aren't there carpenters in Pandai? 
Oh, they are. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just wondering. Well, listen, uh, Jojo, thank you. Great work. Um, there's, uh, there's some more coming up uh, next week, is it? Yeah, next week. Next week. Next week, we'll really look at quality education in Accra. I mean, central Accra. So, look forward to it. I told you you should go to my, my, my school. That's my Saito. I'll take you there. You have to visit my school. And maybe I will get some you know, nice furniture for the kids. Jojo, I'll be in touch. Uh, thank you very much, Jojo. Uh, let's uh, speak to the ranking member on the Education Committee, Peter Nochu. Hello, Mr. Nochu. Thank you for your time here on Newsnight. Yeah, thank you very much and uh, good evening. Mr. Nochu, let me start by uh, running what uh, Nat is proposing tonight by you. Nat says they will be advocating and it will be coming to you to push for a law that will compel all public officers, including members of parliament, once you are earning from the public, uh, you know, from, from the consolidated fund, so that you are, com- you are compelled to take your children to the public schools. Is this something that you support as a ranking on the education committee? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I have not uh, heard him explain the basis for his argument. Uh, but uh, what I know, if you go to the constitution, I think uh, education is to be made available to everybody. Um, you have a, a free compulsory basic education, uh, which is there. But some of these things, there is a choice that uh, the individual can make. So if the individual decides that... Uh, I want my child to go to a private school instead of a, a public school. I don't think any law can be made to prevent that person. Yes, Mr. Notu, just, just for a second, uh, just for a second, if, let me... Uh, hello? I wanted to, because you said you didn't hear him, I wanted to explain his point. His point is that public officers, appointees of the president, once you draw from the consolidated fund and the public pays you from the taxpayer's money and you are responsible for policy, the policy should compel you to put your child in a public school because they believe, as has been tried in Finland, that's the only way these duty bearers will make sure that their children get the best education. And then, by extension, the whole system improves for everybody. Well, I don't think it is every person who is in a policy-making uh, uh, position uh, in this country, assuming uh, somebody who works at the Ministry of uh, Foreign Affairs or Ministry of uh, Health and uh, is not making any policy as far as education is concerned. Uh, so how do you expect that person, if he wants to send his or her son to a private school, there should be a law to prevent him uh, from doing so? I think it is to be against uh, the human rights of any individual because it's a matter of choice. I don't want my child to be in a public school. I think what we should rather be thinking of, how do we as a country make provisions for facilities to be available in all public schools? Like if you look at these uh, grade A schools in uh, the country, secondary schools, and then the less endowed, I've been saying that let us make sure that we distribute facilities equitably so that whoever goes to any secondary school will have access to science lab, uh, computer lab, everything that is in the grade A school to be available in any other school.
people in this country. I think we should work towards that so that if a person or a parent wants my, his or her child to be in a private school, fine. Some even say, still send their awards to private senior secondary schools. And I think we can do so because if you go to the private schools, it's not only public servants who have their awards over there. I can tell you that there are farmers in this country whose, whose awards are in the uh, private schools. And I think they are doing well. They are able to take care of them. So I don't think there's the need for any law to bar the public servants, the civil servants or politicians from sending their awards to private schools. Okay, stay with me quickly because I understand that they, uh, we were expecting to, you were expecting to hear from the education minister. I'll, I'll t- I wanted to tell us what happened when he came. Also joining us right now is Vice Chairman of the Education Committee, Dr. Prince Amma. Hello, Doc. Good evening, Ivan. Yeah, this is the and first time I'm talking to you this year. Happy okay. New Year to you, okay. sir. Uh, let me ask you. So, quick, give me your quick thoughts on that on that proposal by by Nat, that as is done in in Finland, all public officers must take their children. They have children at school going age to, to the public school. Do you support? Thank do you, you support a policy like that? Thank you very much, Ivan, and good evening to your cherished um, listeners. Uh, let me first indicate that I don't know of any country in the world on this planet that has enacted a law, a policy that compels any public officer to, to take their children to public schools. Uh, it's a policy in Finland. I see that in Finland there is no such policy. You see, the, the practice in Finland is that there is improved quality in public school system from basic to senior secondary school through to the university. And this has resulted in extreme public confidence in the public school system. There are private schools there, but you are not even enticed to go to the private school because the quality of education service delivery is as high and even more than that of the private. But, but you know why? It's because in 1968, the state took a deliberate policy uh, decision to, one, improve the, the public schools, but also make it one that the, the state officials take their children to. And collectively, over time, we've seen that become the choice instead of private. Uh, uh, that's what I'm saying, that you have to read that reform very well. I mean, in in uh, liberal economies like fin- Finland and in Europe, uh, hardly would they compel individuals, uh, you know, to send their children to a particular school. I'm saying that the policy intention, not only in Finland but the other other countries, like even in Rwanda, the policy intention is to ensure that the quality of public school provision is improved to a level that you are entitled to go send your children there. And I think that's where the conversation should should revolve around. I mean, if you want to tell me that because I am a member of parliament, and of course everybody in Ghana except the president is paid by the taxpayer, so we need to collect that impression that public officers are paid paid from the consultation for all of us, except the president who is not a taxpayer. But if you want to, if I have my child, in fact, I have my case 
abroad. And you are saying that because I've become a member of parliament, I should bring my children from abroad to come and school here. It has a, it's not going to be feasible. I think the conversation is a, more on moral suasion. When you are in public office, you want to demonstrate by example and that you are sending your case there, you know, to be able to send your case to public school to demonstrate that you have confidence and to also instill confidence in the public that, look, even this person has their children in the public school. That is perhaps uh, an alternative, <laughs> but if you are enacting a policy that is not feasible, there is no need uh, in doing that. Look, education, service delivery, and outcomes are achieved over time. You can never implement a policy intervention and get a result within a year or two or three. It's long-lasting and the outcome is, 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 is understood and expressed when you see that the, the products are in gainful employment and they are making a meaningful life and contributing to society. I mean, the government so recognized, quick one, yes. quick one. The government recognized that our basic education system is not, is, is, is not the way we would want in terms of the quality of it. Um, and so as a result, there has been policy interventions to improve that. So take the Ghana uh, Learning Accountability, Ghana Accountability for Learning Outcome Program, the Gallup. Gallup has identified 10,000 basic schools, 10,000. The total number of basic schools are just around 14,000 or two, but 10,000 of them are low performing. We are spending 218 million or so dollars on them. Not only provision of intervention grants, but also provision of instructional resources. All these will materialize over time. Mm. And that's what I think that we need to uh, um, gravitate the conversation towards. I mean, and this conversation, though, is, is one that, uh, you know, Nat says we're going to push. We're going to revisit it in, in quite some great to death and bring ordinary citizens in, into this on Ghana Connect. But let me ask uh, Peter Nochu. Mr. Nochu, you told us that you were expecting the minister to come before your committee, uh, I believe, today to answer questions about um, the many challenges confronting the sector. Did he appear? Uh, the Minister indicated to us that uh, he had some other engagements which uh, he had accepted earlier. So uh, it will not be possible for him to meet us uh, today. And that uh, he would like us to choose another date very soon, um, next week, so that uh, he can meet the committee. And there are other issues that uh, he would like to discuss at, discuss at the committee. So. Uh, if we can get uh, time next week, it will be readily available to meet us to talk about the issues. I'm grateful, uh, Peter Nochu. Thank you very much. You had that the uh, ranking on the Education Committee, Peter Nochu, and the Vice Chair of that committee, uh, Dr. Prince Ama. Uh, let's say, what's your what's your own take on that question? Nat is pushing uh, for. Would you support a policy that compels uh, all political appointees and, and public office holders to, to send their children to public school? 
send me a WhatsApp 055 111 uh, We brought you the story about the division in the NPP over whether to hold an early or late Congress that the party's uh, uh, organs uh, had been meeting today, uh, led, chaired by the president himself. We understand that meeting has just ended. Uh, my colleague Kweku Asante joins us right now with the very latest Kweku. Uh, Kweku will join us right now uh, with the very latest. Kweku, what do we know now? So the meeting just ended. The president just left the meeting with the vice president. Our understanding is that no agreement has been reached in terms of when exactly the party will elect its flag bearer and parliamentary candidates into the 2024 election. The meeting was set to drag on till late into the night, but it appeared both sides of the divide, those who want an early Congress, and those who also think that let's delay so maybe early next year do so, were both holding entrenched positions. And so the party now resolved that let's adjourn this meeting, let's go behind the doors, let's consult further and try and get some arrangement and some agreement before we can come and firm up the decision. We've been hearing first from Richard Ahiaba, who is the party's communications director, and then later, just a mom, just moments ago, from the general secretary himself, Justin Frimpong Kodia. The timelines for the presidential and parliamentary elections, and within um, the possible shortest time, we will come out with the timelines for our presidential and parliamentary elections. So that's what I have for you. Thank you. What will you stop in the party from announcing a date? Is that a challenge? No, no, no. I don't see it as a challenge. As a party, you know, we believe in consensus, but as a party, we recognize the views of each stakeholder in our deliberations. So we want to come up with a date that uh, is built on consensus and also compromises also made among key stakeholders. And once that is done, I will tell you uh, when the timeline is. General, how do you react to people who say that you're not setting a date, this room for speculation? Already some aspirants are on the, on the road campaigning. Are they flouting rules? Setting a date will bring to an end all these things? Well, I totally disagree with you. If, if, if you have a date, maybe perhaps you can say that it will help to plan your programs. But as to flattering rules, there's no rules. And the rules has nothing to do with the dates that you will set. When the party comes with its rules, it's independent of the timeline that we are going to set. And today, even today, as part of the discussion, we, we made mention of the rules that uh, we are bringing forth to regulate the conduct of each um, aspirant. And that's uh, Justin Kodia, the general secretary of the NPP. So bottom line, NPP has once again failed to decide when to hold their primaries elected presidential candidate. We had a warning from the Alliance camp that if they fail today... They have no moral rights. Moral rights anymore. To stop anyone from campaigning. campaigning. Uh, Very interesting days ahead. George Yaffe is here with business. Hi, Evans. And uh, Ghana gets a little over $1 billion after investing earnings from crude oil revenue since 2011. And I am optimistic uh, that the policy rate hike and the debt restructuring program should aid in the quick recovery of the economy. The Business News on Newsnight is brought to you by MTN Business. Welcome to the new world of business. Alliance Live and Ghana Pay. I visited Kweku at his spunky new office to congratulate him on opening his business. And man, was I impressed. The business is just moving quick. The sales, customers, everything is just working seamlessly. The secrets, hmm. 
He said, it's empty and business broadband. In this fast-paced environment, we need fast and reliable internet to support all business types. No laggy online meetings, great download and upload speeds, impeccable business management systems, all-inclusive. I mean, you can have it all. I signed on immediately. <laughs> to enable your business stay ahead and stay connected, make sure you're signed on to the best internet made just for businesses. MTN Business Broadband. Sign up today on broadband.mtn.com.gh and manage your account on my MTN app. Call 0244-308-111 for more information. MTN. We are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osuakweje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHF, Kumase KNUSD Campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 7642097642209 or 7627792 visit our website www.kingdomgh.com You welcome back to Business on News Night. Now, Ghana and a little over $1 billion in terms of returns on investment on savings from crude oil revenue since 2011. This was captured in the petroleum oil account at the Federal Reserve Bank in New York. There is more in this report. These are the returns that Ghana has gotten in terms of investment made with the savings secured from the crude oil revenue. Since Ghana started exporting crude oil in commercial quantities April 2011, Ghana's petroleum oil account with the Federal Reserve Bank in New York has shown that since April 2011 to December 2020, the country got almost $9 billion. The report showed that the value of Ghana's total investment has been going up marginally, but at a slow pace. This is because there are laws that restrict areas that these petroleum revenue can be placed or invested. It also revealed that since 2011, the Ghana Stabilization Fund, ending December 2022, had a balance of $143 million. The Stabilization Fund was set up to cushion government any time the budget is hit by deep revenue shortfalls from crude oil exports. The Heritage Fund, which was also set up for future generations, now has $918 million in that account. Some have questioned the amount of money that the country has secured since it started exporting oil in commercial quantities. But others think the law that guides the investment of these funds might have affected the performance of the funds. And that is the Business Dex Report.
Now, the IMF is optimistic that measures are being taken by the Bank of Ghana in terms of the policy rate hikes and the debt restructuring program being taken by government could aid in the quick recovery of the economy. The IMF has been speaking at a media engagement after releasing the revised growth outlook for the world. The fund, however, warned that things will slow down for Ghana this year before it picks up. Daniel Lang is division chief in charge of research department at the IMF. We do expect growth to slow uh, this year. This is partly because of the global headwinds that uh, Pierre Olivier has been discussing. So it's a difficult uh, uh, time for the global economy that affects Ghana. But also there are some domestic headwinds. In particular, uh, inflation has increased significantly. And so the central bank is uh, tightening monetary policy, but that is cooling the economy domestically. Plus, uh, the fiscal policies are tightening uh, to address the, the elevated debt. This is, this is the, the cooling in 2023. But in 2024, we see a rebound, in particular in the extractive activities. And that is going to support uh, Ghana in, in 2024. I would add that right now, um, uh, so just very recently, the IMF team uh, went to Ghana, reached agreement uh, with the Ghanaian authorities on an economic reform program that will be supported under a three billion US dollar um, extended credit facility. And the goal of that program is to re-establish macroeconomic stability, debt sustainability, and create the foundations for higher and, and inclusive growth over the medium term. Dalia Leng is division chief in charge of the research department at the IMF, speaking from Singapore, where the fund launched its Global Outlook report. Now, traders are promising to pass on the gains if the city's recent performance is sustained. It's coming after the local currency held its grounds against the dollar, with the rate of depreciation slowing significantly over the past two weeks. President of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Joseph Abeng, says the development shows that managers must up their game. This is very minimal, as you can see. Mm. And so that's why I'm calling for sustainability. If it is able to sustain, then we can actually transfer some gains um, to the bar. If it goes up and down, then it becomes very confusing, and then we cannot see the positive impact um, on the consuming public. So we should be able to sustain it, and we are very excited about that, and then it's going to help us. If it will go down, uh, even we will be even more happier. Joseph Abeng is the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association. Some of the commercial banks are quoting 12 Ghana cities, 30 pesos to a dollar. Now, that's the average quotes that they are offering to their clients. The Association of Ghana Industries says its members within the beverage sector are angry with the surge in water tires, describing it as retrogressive. According to its chief executive, the association, that is Chuma Kobwa, the tariff increment of 316% and subsequently to 172% for the beverage sector under the industry will have dire consequences for the industry. He however asks the Public Duty Regulatory Authority to maintain its beverage sector for their companies to ensure that they stay in business. He has been speaking at a news conference in Accra.
Industries have been under pressure from unstable business environments. Hoping to see signs of recovery this year, the situation has further worsened by the utility tariff increments. With inflation of 54.1%, VAT now at 21.9%, poor prices inching up, and threats of excise duty increments, which pose a, a serious threat to employment prospects and survival of businesses. AGI is calling on the PURC to maintain its beverage sector companies in their industry category, which has seen increment of 48% in water tariff already. And that is the president, the chief executive of the Association of Ghana Industries, Seth Chumakabwa. And government has adored what it calls the revised the domestic debt exchange program. But bondholders, but did bondholders get a better deal? And what will be the impact of this on the larger economy when it comes to this whole domestic debt exchange program. Well, that is what we'll be getting some answers to on PM Express Business Edition tonight as we engage Professor Lord Mensah. He is a finance lecturer at the University of Ghana Business School. Professor William Babwati, he's head of the accounts department at the University of Ghana, Legon. Kinsley Kwesi Koberson, he is the chief executive of the Ghana Insurance Association and also Dr. Daniel Sedo, he's a former CEO of MPRE and a pensions consultant. Now, all these experts will be getting some answers on whether the bondholders could have gotten a better deal in this revised domestic debt exchange program and also the impact on the larger economy at 9 p.m. on PM Express Business Edition on all our social media platforms. Make it tonight and get all the development and the action that is happening. Okay. Thank you very much, George Riafe. Let me take you to the Ashanti region now. And four more suspects have been arrested in connection with recent violent disturbances at the Krobia Asante Technical and Vocational Institute at Ifijasia Sokore in the Ashanti region. The four include three female students and head prefect of the school. My colleague Nanaya Ojima has more in the following report. According to prosecution, police have so far taken fingerprints on properties damaged by the students who were on rampage and have sent them to the appropriate quarters. They are also in the process of valuing the property destroyed. Head of legal and prosecution at the Ashanti Region Police Command, ACP Kofi Blagoji, says investigations have revealed some suspects who are at large are not students of the school. We had information that there are some people involved, so we shall uh, try to see whether we can climb on them and add them to the charge. Can you put two numbers? No, 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 exactly. Now we can speak of the number now. But can you confirm to us that the school prefect has also been arrested? Yeah, the school prefect is part of those who presented today before the court. Counsel for the suspects pleaded with the court to admit the juveniles and young offenders to bail he revealed parents of the suspects have shown their preparedness to stand surety and also adhere to conditions of the bill. Legal representative of the suspects, Daniel Kwame Boatin, who was pleased by the court's decision to admit the suspect to bail, maintains some of his clients are not guilty of the charges. We are saying that if the crime was even perpetrated, it cannot happen that all these juveniles and the young persons were part. The suspects were admitted to bail in the sum of 2,000 cities with one person, preferably a parent, to stand surety. For Joy News, Nanaya Ojima Kumasi. Let's do some sports time as well. Join us with the latest. 
Yes, well, Evans, Black Stars captain Andre Yu is the one who said to join Premier League side Nottingham Forest after parting ways with Al Saad. Well, the three-year-old, we understand, has reached an agreement uh, reached an agreement with the Qatari side to terminate his contract by mutual consent, making him a free agent. Uh, the forward, we understand, is currently in London and in negotiation with Nottingham Forest to secure a six-month loan deal. And uh, what's interesting is that Ayu will be playing under Steve Cooper, uh, whom he played with during his time at Swansea, and is hopeful that reuniting with him could spark life into his career. The deal will also see Ayu turn down. Uh, he turned down, actually, an approach from Everton on his return to the Premier League. So that's some news for the Black Stars captain. And, of course, elsewhere, it is Mason Greenwood, whose charges of attempted rape and a few others have been dropped uh, by the Crown prosecutor there. And Manchester United have released a statement that they say that they will go through internal procedure to determine whether Mason Greenwood will return to the squad or possibly have his contract terminated. Not sure what's going to happen, but that's some news for you, Evans. Well, if the charges have been dropped, it's been dropped. The man is innocent. Yeah, you know, it's a circumstance under which they were dropped. We understand some of the witnesses withdrew. So there was not finality as to whether it happened, you know. But the charges have been dropped. The man is innocent until proving otherwise, is it not? So he's innocent. He hasn't been proven otherwise. So Mm -hmm. he's innocent. Let the guy play. Yeah, okay. Uh, We'll see, we'll see, we'll we'll see. see. I mean, what's the name of the club? Man City has the same problem with Mendy. Yeah, Mendy. Right? We'll see. But it's good to have him back. He's, he's an exciting Of player. course, young man. Don't Very want to destroy his career player. because, you know, yeah. of allegation that is unproven. Yeah. Well, let's do some messages. Um, and most of you have been commenting on that um, public officials taking their children to public schools. I pray a day where politicians and government appointees will be bound by law to enroll the awards in public schools and also seek medical treatment from government health facilities in the country. It has no name. Uh, we have this one also from Lincoln in Akwetiman. It's okay. Um, so, okay. So he's been given some accolades. Thank you. And this one, this one says, I think the policy should lead to an additional condition to hold public office that you can only be a public officer if you have a child in our public schools. If we begin now, our public schools will eventually be very attractive. In addition, we'll get leaders not in love with being served or money and publicity, but in love with justice and humanity. Nanaya Boating in Jowalu. Thank you so much uh, for your message and the suggestion by Nat. Um, this is from Isai Mboku. For all government appointees to send all their children to public schools is a good idea. All Ghanaians should support this laudable idea. We should be ready to vote for any political party who adopted into your manifesto. And this is happening. We are going to talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. We are talking about it on Ghana Connect tomorrow. So if you're a citizen and you're interested in that conversation, join us tomorrow at uh, 6 to 7. Uh, should public officers be compelled to send their children to public schools in Ghana? Should it become a prerequisite uh, for appointment into the public uh, uh, service as, an, as a minister? If you're paid from the consulate fund, should that be a prerequisite for you? Join us for that conversation. Yeah, we can't miss it. Now, the National Education Authority has dismissed allegations. It fraudulently issued a Ghana card to secretary to the Board of Trustees of the National Cathedral Secretariat, Reverend Victor Kusibuating. The allegation was made by Noftong MP Samolo Kujetua Blakwa, who has been on a crusade against Reverend Boating for his alleged utilization of multiple identities. While a statement issued by the NIA states there is nothing mysterious about the issue 
Ones of the Card to Reverend Kusibwating and his other name, Kwabna Edujimfi. Well, we've been taking a look at um, that statement and the NIA first recounts how it issued the card to Kwabna Edujimfi. Yeah, they, they, they did. Um, they tell us that during the mass registration exercise, Kwabna Edujimfi, he went to an NIA registration center called uh, Visindi School mm-hmm. uh, in Kumasi. Uh, on 5th January 2020 to register for the Ghana card. He submitted an NI registration official's uh, valid Ghanaian passport issued by the passport office uh, with the name Kwabna Edujemfi. Mm-hmm. The expiry on that uh, passport was 15th May 2023. Now, the NI says the registration officials registered Kwabna Edujemfi using his uh, valid passport as a base identity document for his registration and duly issued him with a Ghana card. Now, they say that has, they have no record of anyone bearing the name Victor Kusi Boating uh, in their system. Mm. Although we know him publicly as, as that's, that's the name Kusi he holds, Boating, but yeah. the, the NIE says they have no record of that. And that uh, they also have no record in their system of any person that is born uh, was born on the 17th September 1971 or any other day with the name Victor Kusi Boating. And they stress that... Uh, uh, in these circumstances, the NI registration officials at that particular registration center did everything right mm. and absolutely nothing wrong in, in registering the, in this individual in question. Well, the MP in his post also on the matter had claimed that the biometrics of Reverend Victor Kusibuati matches that of Kwabne Dujinfi. The NIA has been um, speaking about this. They claim it rings hollow. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the, the way they described it. Uh, the, the claim is false, they believe, uh, because there's no biometric record of any person in the database called Reverend Victor Kusibuati and therefore uh, Mr. Blackwa could not have conducted any comparative analysis of non-existent data uh, mm. with that of Kwabana Dujemfi. And Mr. Blackwell has been reacting to the statement from the NIA. He says the NIA uh, clearly confirms what he believes to be an unimpeachable and unassailable finding that they issued a Ghana card in the name of Kwabana Dujemfi mm. and they confirm that with a different date of birth contrary to other IDs and incorporation documents issued uh, by the government mm. and that at no point did he the MP assert uh, that the NIA issued two cards with the names Reverend Victor Kusibwating and Kwabana Edujemfi. So this is one of those things that keeps rambling on. We'll, we'll, the part of this uh, has been filed with the shards, etc., mm-hmm. to investigate. We'll see how the pants are once investigations are done. And that's how we wrap up tonight's edition of News Night. We're getting ready for Personality Profile. And our guests uh, tonight on Personality Profile, Sam George, then Ingo Pram Pram MP. I am MFA Paul. I'm Evan Smith. Enjoy the rest of the evening.